Yes, no. They know they know me by Lady Crump. So are we green <laughs> Chief Crump or Chief McCracken for the for the <laughs> Okay. That's funny. Okay. Just wanna make sure, ma'am, well thank you so much for taking the time to to meet with us and share a little more about yourself and your experiences in the Air Force and this amazing work that you've been doing. Um, my name's A1C Tejeda. I'm stationed here at Luke Air Force Base, my first duty station. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, tell us a little more about yourself and why did you join the Air Force, ma'am? Okay. Wow, that was 22 years ago that I joined the Air Force, though. So. so my why, I would have to say I was a 20-year-old um, college student, and I was still living at home with my mom and dad and, you know, didn't really have a, a steady career path. Um, I was going to school to get my associates in criminal justice, and um, one of the things that I wanted to be was a Virginia Beach police officer because um, my hometown is actually Virginia Beach, Virginia. And to join the police force, you had to be 21. So I figured go to school after high school and um, see where it took me. But at some point, I, I guess I had a, a wake up that I need to, how do I say it, grow up and be an adult, get out of my parents' house and start, you know, living my life and um, figuring out who I wanted to be. So uh, joining the Air Force happened to come by when I took one of my friends to the recruiters and he was actually getting ready to leave um, to go to basic training. And uh, the recruiter just asked me, you know, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, <laughs> Going to, going to college and, you know, I work at, um, at, I think at the time I was working at um, Taco Bell and uh, Arby's and, you know, just the typical jobs that you have when you're younger. And, um, and he said, well, what do you want to do? And I told him, you know, I wanted to be a police officer. And, you know, that's when he said, well, we got this job called Security Forces. So let me show you this video and, um, you know, you let me know if you're interested and watch the video. And then I said, you know what, my dad did, um, he was almost at 30 years of service at the time in the Marine Corps. So I already knew what it was like, you know, living in different places, living overseas. And I said, you know what, let me go ahead and do this. Um, do a couple of years and then come back out and come back home and, you know, join the police force. So that was my plan. And 22 years later, I'm still in the Air Force. So, you know, so it definitely uh, has been a great experience. Uh, like I said, I came in as a defender and did my first six years. And um, right before I was about to separate, I applied to retrain and they offered me um, paralegal. And I said, you know what? I like that. That's criminal justice, too. Let me see where it's going to take us. And I ended up, you know, doing my extension, becoming a paralegal, and now here I am. Wow. It's interesting how 
initially there are like certain plans that we may have, right? And along that journey, things can change, right? And so yes. seeing you reflect right now, I see that you're like, I didn't see this happening, but you're glad it did, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you said that you were getting ready to separate, but then you applied to retrain. So what influenced you to, to stay or to cross-train into the paralegal field? Yeah. So when I was, it was about 2015, and um, I had just got to McDill Air Force Base. Um, so as a defender, I started off in, you know, wonderful Minot, North Dakota, and then I went to Osan Air Base, and then I ended up at McDill, but I only had about 15 months of service left on my enlistment. And when I got there, I already had a plan. I said, I'm going to apply to um, Old Dominion University, finish out my criminal justice degree. And my plan was to separate, get into their ROTC program, and then come back in as an officer. However, when I got offered the opportunity to retrain, for me, it was like, okay, Maybe I can stay in a little bit longer to take more classes and, you know, get paid at the same time. So I'm not just out of the service using my GI Bill because we didn't have the post 9-11 yet and still do that and then think about, okay, what, what am I going to do with my life and 23 months of an extension yeah, that, that sounded like a pretty good deal. Learn a different career field and see where it took me. So, But as far as like inspiring me to stay, there, there wasn't really anything inspiring me to stay. It was just more of I was looking at, you know, what are the benefits of me staying in for an additional 23 months? And, you know, the Air Force course giving you those those technical skills, teaching you a new job, and then you get paid to learn that and finishing, you know, a little bit more school. So that's kind of why I decided to, to stay in and, and do the retraining to see where that took me. And paralegal, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome because when I joined the Air Force, you had to be a retrainee to get into that. We didn't have pipeline coming in in 2000. So for me, it was, I already knew that if I was going to get into that, to retrain. No, it, it yeah. seems like we both, Cross trained into paralegal from Mac, from MacDill Air Force Base. So that's interesting mm. that that's where it, that that's where it happened for both of us. But I'm curious as to what you thought about the security forces career field. Like when you went in, uh, well, so first first thing would be, did you come in, and is that what you asked for? And then second, what was it about it? Was it what you expected, and and what made you want to leave that behind? Yeah. No, I came in straight defender. Like there was no open general, you get selected for this because I wanted I wanted to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a guaranteed job and I came in straight defender and I loved it. Like I'm not gonna lie. Tech school was so much fun. Just all the training that we get, you get to shoot a bunch of guns, you get to throw grenades, we got to blow stuff up. I shot shit. Anymore, but if you know all the stuff you get to do, were things that I really enjoyed doing. The difference, though, is that once you get into the career field, you may either go the security route where you went to the missile field, which is where I ended up, 
or you may go to a base like McDill where you get to do a little bit more and for me going to Minot and doing security in the missile field was not what I expected so it was a little bit of a bummer that I wasn't doing law enforcement but I made the most of it you know I met some really good people I learned you know how to you know be a defender especially in a career field that is very male dominated and you may be, you know, the, the minority on your flight. At one point, I think it was me and like one other female who was on the flight as A1Cs and everyone else was a guy. So you learn how to hold your own. And it was something that I really enjoyed doing. And, um, you know, retraining out of the career field was a, a good option for me just because I was looking at my career path and what I wanted to do with all the skills that the Air Force was giving me. Definitely. So you said your first base was Minot, ma'am, or McDill? I was gonna no, it, it was Minot. Okay, got it. Yeah, good old uh, Minot Air Force Base. Only the best come north is what it says on the gate. Okay. At least I still think it says it on the gate. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I went there uh, in December. This this December, we went uh, for a two day or one day visit to the office, and in so December, mm -hmm. so it, I mean, right? That's in the middle of there's snow everywhere and super cold. It's minus like fourteen degrees. Um, mm -hmm. And imagine having go out and get all your gear on to respond to an alarm and you know you have big snow boots on and a big jacket on and you're trying to figure out why the alarm is going to the <laughs> so, yeah. so that was three years of my life and why not no for sure that's uh interesting <laughs> now ma'am when you retrained into the paralegal field how long were you um, in the field? Because I see you did some, um, you have some first sergeant experience, right? Yes. How long were you in the paralegal field before you became a shirt? So I entered the field in 2006 and I got the wonderful blessing um, to be a first sergeant in 2017. So I spent um, a lot of time in the field before I was able to go and uh, be a first sergeant. Um, I was also a defense paralegal for a little bit. So I had that opportunity and, um, and yeah, different legal offices. I started off at Seymour Johnson um, then I was a defense paralegal there for about three years. And then I went to Langley Air Force Base and I got the opportunity to do my first deployment but sometimes that's rare for paralegals. I went to Afghanistan with the Army. I got to do Army military justice for six months, so that was pretty cool. And then after that, um, went to Air Combat Command, so I got to work in the MAGCOM office, and then got selected to go to Kadena, where I met uh, Senior Perez, and he was my NCOIC of justice there when I was the uh, NCOIC of legal office. Nice. And when you became a first sergeant, what was that experience like, ma'am? Because is that where your life coach work also started? 
So not in the beginning. Um, first of all, being a first sergeant was, it was on my list. Like as soon as I made master sergeant, I knew that that was something that I really wanted to do was go into the field and learn how to really take care of our airmen. And it's something I did enjoy as a defense paralegal. You kind of get a little taste of it where you're helping clients. And even though they're going through some, you know, pretty messed up stuff, you're still helping them through something. And that part of it, you know, it does feel good. So for me, being a first sergeant, just, you know, it came natural because I wanted to see people live their best life and, and do really well and be successful in anything irregardless of, you know, what career field or, or, you know, background they had. So it's just something that I, that I always wanted. And I had some really good first sergeants who took care of me when I was a younger airman and showed me a lot of compassion and, and empathy. And when I was going through some things, they, they really showed me that, you know, they are people who care about you and they're not just there to, discipline you which is kind of the stigma when you're come when I was coming up that people had it was like if you, oh, if you got to see the first sergeant oh it must be really bad but my experiences weren't negative they were all positive experiences I had. So, so you know just paying it forward from from the good things that, that happened to me in my career field now when you talk about being a life coach so that is funny because it actually started with me being a resiliency training assistant. And I was doing that and teaching classes in ALS. And I just really enjoyed, you know, talking about all these good things and all these skills that we can have to make everyday living. And it, it really brought something out of me that I would go home and I would just, you know, like your cup is full. And I call it, you know, living in your gift, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, I just felt so much joy from doing that, that, you know, I had looked into coaching a little bit, but never life coaching, because I always associated coaching with being a, a leader and how we, you know, mentor and we coach people to do well in their organizations and, and be better leaders. But I never associated it with, you know, wellness and, and you know, living a better life. So one of my friends, um, she had this idea that, you know, maybe we should become life coaches. And, you know, I, I was like, okay, started looking into it a little bit more. And we pitched it to our wing command chief at the time. And he said, yeah. And he took it to the wing commander and said, you know, let's get a few people certified as life coaches. And so we could bring it back into the wing. And this was um, while I was at Eglin Air Force Base as a project. So we got together. Um, she did a lot of the research as far as like finding a, a really good school to go to because I don't know if you watch some of the coaching videos on YouTube, you'll see like all these um, big name coaching companies out there. And, you know, like John C. Maxwell has one and um, there's some other really popular ones. But we wanted to go small. We wanted to go with a, an organization that we knew was going to be more personable to us. And so we found a, a small business that really spoke to what we needed and they came out and 
and taught us how to be life coaches. And we went through a six-month accreditation program and became certified. This has been a really, really good experience and very fulfilling. And I absolutely love the things that we can do to make people's lives better. And I love seeing people learn how to think for themselves and to really look at their goals that they set and say, okay, how am I going to get to where I need to get in life? And we just coach them along the way. That's beautiful. Uh, Yeah. I really like how you said living in your gift. That really stood out to me because I think sometimes in our work, it can be draining or like the day-to-day or it being stressful, but finding like, in a way, like you found that was your gift, right? And in a sense, that kind of fueled you. Like, how can I then share this with other people? And right. seeing you speak about it, I can see how fulfilling it's been for you, right? Like it's filled up your cup to be able to be in a position where you're sharing this with others and helping them like simple, right? Because I think when we think about um like success, it's like these great big things, but it doesn't have to be that, right? Like living well every day, that's the big thing, right? Um, yeah. So with with your life coach and your work around resiliency and soul care, that stood out to me really too from the list that, that I read of your courses and your webinars. Um, there was something in there about soul care, but in your time and doing this work, what are some of your success stories in your program? Yeah. So I'll say with the, the success stories is sometimes it's, it's just people coming to talk to you for maybe, you know, 45 minutes and you get them to really, you know, start thinking about what they want to do and then you never see them again. Or when you do see them again, they're like, hey, you know, remember that conversation that we had? And you, you know, you just listened to what I had to say. And, you know, I, I came up with what I wanted to do in my plan. And, and then you just followed up with me. Yeah, I did X, Y, and Z and, and got it going. Um, I had a, a young lady who she, she was really into fitness and she just was very shy. And she used to go to the gym every day and see other um, bodybuilders setting up gym equipment, getting ready, you know, they would have their cameras and, you know, filming themselves doing workouts. And it's something she really wanted to get into. And I just listened to her talk. And at the end of it, you know, I asked her, I said, you know, so, so what is holding you back from getting going and, and living your dream of being a, you know, a personal trainer and and being successful in bodybuilding. And she was like, well, I'm just, I'm just shy. Like, I just, I don't know how to like talk to people. And that's where coaching comes into effect because we learn how to ask what's called incisive questions, where we try to help you look for your positive opposite. So how she was saying, well, I'm really shy. Instead, we go back and we say, okay, well, what's your positive opposite of shy? Like, oh, I'm really outgoing. You know, I'm I'm outgoing. I can talk to people, no problem. And I said, okay, so if you knew that you were outgoing and that you weren't afraid to go ask another bodybuilder for help, what would you do to live your life differently today? 
And that really gets people thinking as to how, you know, how would I go and approach them? Or you can ask them questions like, you know, if you had a friend who had the same problem, you know, what would you say to them? Mm. And coaching is, is something I really, really love because you just ask people questions and you're not trying to be like a, like a smart ass or anything. You're not trying to, you know, demoralize them. You're really trying to get them to think about looking at things from a more positive perspective. And, and so with the clients that I've had and their success stories has just really been seeing them go from, okay, this is holding me back from being great. Because I always say that the only person that is holding you back from living in your gift and being successful is the person staring right back at you at the mirror every day. That's it. Yes, ma'am. So how do you get past, how do you get past yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And All right. that's where I see the success and just, you know, the feedback that I get from the, the classes that you saw on the webinar and from people actually practicing those skills every day, um, teaching mindfulness. I absolutely love it. And just simple things like, yeah, now I have a mindfulness practice that I do daily. And seeing the joy that it brings to them, that's really the reward when it comes to coaching. Definitely. And it sounds like you help your clients really, like the strength or those those gifts are within them, but you're just helping cultivate like that confidence, right? And you're helping them dig deep to realize like, yes, I can do this, right? And realizing that, like what you said, what's really holding them back is themselves. Like that's the biggest barrier, right? Yes. So asking those questions that guide them to being able to realize I can do this. And ultimately too, what comes to mind for me is like, what do I have to lose, right? Do I want to live with the, what if I would have done that years down the road or go ahead and try it and say, Hey, I wanted to do that. And I gave it a shot. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what life is all about, right? Taking shots. That's why I call it take the shot coaching, you know, Mm -hmm. because I say that if you, if you don't take the shot, you're missing out on an opportunity because a lot of people are afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. But it's those failures and how we recover from them, you know, is, is really what makes us great. You know, I, I fail every day at probably doing something, you know, whether it's a task or, you know, I, I did a Am Jams QC for the first time um, the other day. And, you know, I probably missed something on the checklist. But, hey, you know, I just dust off that you know, part of my, my brain that says Am Jams, and I just, I figure it out. But we just have, we can't be afraid to fail. It's, you know, I'd rather be upset that, you know, I didn't, tr- you know, that I did try and, I, you know, gave it my versus, you know, saying, man, I should have spoke up. I should have said something. I should have done something. And I think too, ma'am, in those moments where we do fail or we may feel like we failed, we learn so much about ourselves too, right? We're able to reflect on that if we allow ourselves to. And I would imagine like with your mindfulness work, right, that can help people when they're faced 
um, in circumstances where they feel like they failed, right? Well, how do I pause, right, before? Because I think it's so easy for us as individuals to be so hard on ourselves when we feel like we failed, right? Um, being our, like, the, our, what's the same? I question. Right. Um, but I, I would imagine that with your mindfulness work and that practice too, being able to pause and say, okay, what am I learning from this? Um, and how can one reflect to then have the skills to do better in the future, right? As they move forward. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think having a, a daily practice, whether it's, you know, mindfulness, journaling, practicing, you know, being thankful for something or just, you know, looking at nurturing something is it's good for the soul, right? You know, and, and you know, the, the soul care, we have to figure out how to find time to enjoy the work that we do every day, enjoy the, the people that are around us, enjoy the things that we love, our hobbies, our me time, because you got to fit that in, whatever your me time consists of. And then also, you know, nurturing the, the causes and the people that, you know, are part of our lives and we're passionate about. We have to, you know, put it all in. And some people could be really great at work. And you might give, you know, 75% of your day to work. But don't forget, what are you doing with the other 15%? You know, so are you going to pour it back into, you know, your hobby, your family? You just got to figure out, you know, what have you given today? And yep. we're all set. Okay, great. Let's jump back into it. So okay. Chief, you shared with us how you got into life coaching and also some experiences with your clients. Now we're curious to know, ma'am. What does that soul care look like specifically for you? So it starts when I wake up. You know, how you wake up is really how you set the tone for your day. And that matters because if you wake up and you have a negative mindset and you're like, oh, I'm not wanting to get out of bed today. Like today is just going to be like, the worst day ever, and you start thinking about all the negative things that, you know, are you're going to be looking forward to, you're going to have a, a, a day filled with a lot of negativity. And I hate to say the word negative a lot, but you'll start to notice maybe the things that are not so good. You know, you might bump into someone in the coffee shop and they may spill coffee on you. But instead of being like, oh, you know, I could take it home and, and wash it and, you know, it's fine. You might be like, I just got coffee on my uniform now. It just sucks. I knew today was going to be bad. On the other hand, you can wake up and you can be like, yes, today is going to be a great day. It's going to be great because I am awake and I am alive. And I have a car to drive, I have a good job, you know, I have benefits, you know, I have my family, you know, I'm so thankful just to wake up that I'm excited for the day. And if you start that day, you get up, you jump out of bed and, you know, some people like to go exercise. For me, I get up, I'll do um, my T25 
no plug intended, but I'll do, you know, a little bit of exercise, kind of get me sweating and, and worked up, and then, you know, have my coffee, have some oatmeal, and, you know, really pay attention to what I'm putting in my body to start the day. Go shower, and then, um, you know, make sure you make your bed. That's important, right? Because you want to, you know, tell your bed you're not going back to it until later on in the evening, but, you know, make your bed, you know, make sure your clothes make it into your clothes basket or, you know, the wash machine, however you do it, and just get your day going, you know, and, and smile at yourself in the mirror. A lot of people don't do that. They don't take the time to be like, man, I look good today, you know, <laughs> my, my teeth are nice and white, like my hair is looking good, you know, and I'm, people just don't do that. They don't know how to compliment themselves. And so, you know, I put my uniform on. I'm like, okay, I got this, you know. Um, and a part of that goes into I also get, you know, my kids ready for school and, um, you know, getting my son ready for daycare. But, you know, just having more of a, okay, what can I really get excited about today that's going to make today great? I feel like if you if you go into the day with a, a joyful mindset that no matter what happens that day, that, you know, maybe, you know, not so great, you're not going to focus too much on it. You're just going to be like, okay, I'm going to do that. And, and, you know, that, you know, attorney or, you know, your boss says, hey, you got to do this right now. And it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. Instead of having a, um, you know, like a, I got to work on this or, or take care of that real quick. You know, you might be like, okay, I'm going to knock it out. And, and you just go into it and you, and you take care of it and then say goodbye to your coworkers and you go home and spend time, you know, with your family. Or, you know, if you're single, you hang out with your friends, socialize, or, you know, go maybe nurture one of your hobbies and, that's really what I think soul care is, is making sure that you are not waking up every single day, setting yourself up for having a terrible day, you know, set yourself up for, for a great day, you know, and, and look at the little things, appreciate the little things that are there, you know, maybe even, you know, tell if, tell someone, hey, I appreciate that you, you know, did this for me, or if, you know, someone brought you a cup of coffee. I mean, we kind of do that in the office here. We take turns buying coffee, especially on Tuesdays because it's double best card day. So we get a lot of free coffee, but we try to do things that, you know, create a really joyful environment to be in. And so I just think, you know, have a great day by starting your day off with that mindset that I'm going to have a great day. That's how I start my day. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people um, get flustered by little things happening in the day. You know what I mean? Like something happens that they didn't plan or something happens that maybe makes them feel uncomfortable. And that throws off, you know, that that throws them off. So I don't know if there's something that can be done to kind of reflect upon things that could potentially happen because no day is ever going to be perfect. Right. We're all going to have challenges. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be something that comes up that wasn't in our plan, that wasn't in our schedule. Maybe we're super, you know, we're, we have this gold mentality where we're planning our whole day. This is what it's going to look like. And then one little thing happens that is not part of that plan and it's all thrown off. And then sometimes we take our frustrations on other people. Um, but I'm not sure if uh, if you're also of the belief that perhaps reflecting upon things that 
you know, a contingency plan of sorts for our mind that if something happens that's not part of the schedule that challenges, you know, is challenging just to look at the bigger picture. Um, like this, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this is not that big of a deal. We can deal with it and move on. That's the body's natural, like, fight or flight response, right? It's that natural, you know, stress that we have. You know, everybody operates at a certain stress level. And sometimes, you know, like you said, you'll have a challenge thrown at you, and it just, like, throws your game off. Um, uh, I've been teaching emotional intelligence for, um, for several years now. And one of the things I love to teach about is your amygdala. And it's something that's probably about this big, right? The size of an almond. And you have two of them in your in your brain. But, you know, your amygdala is like your little emotional hub. And when you get that thrown off of your game, your amygdala starts firing off all these different things that, okay, now it puts you in a heightened mood. And are you going to decide to, you know, either fight through it or are you going to run away? And, you know, or like you said, act frustrated, you know, take it out on other people, you know, throw your book down on your desk or, or you know, just scream or whatever it is. You have to really learn how to work through the stress and understand what your stressors are because there's stress, but then there's also your stressors. So that's two different things. And your stressors are those little things that have now thrown you off your game. So how are you going to understand, okay, what is my body's reaction to this in the moment? Is that a positive response or is it a negative response? And if it's negative, what can you do to make it a more positive response? So if your negative response is you automatically get upset and you get angry or you may lash out at a coworker, ask yourself, like, you know, what do I look like from the outside looking in? What do other people see when I do that or when I react that way? And is that good for me, for my mental well-being, for my health? And, you know, start really looking at how do you feel after you have reacted that way? And if it's not a good feeling or people tell you, hey, you, you acted a little crazy yesterday when, uh, when they talked to you and you kind of flew off the handles. And that's where you have that self-reflection and that self-awareness. And it's like, okay, how am I going to deal with the stressor that is causing me all of this stress in a more positive way? Now, there are some times where, you know, yes, you, you do need to get angry. You do need to get upset. You do need to cry. But how long are you going to stay there? And, and that's all about you. That's a choice that you have. Are you going to allow yourself to stay in the moment for five minutes, 10 minutes, maybe you need to go walk, maybe you need to take a 30 minute break, take a time out, and then come back and really, you know, say, okay, how do I push through this? And I hate that we have to say push through, but it, it is, it's how do you retrain your brain to say, okay, this happened, it's okay that it happened. Now, what am I gonna do to make sure that I don't fly off the handles. I don't react or snap at someone unintentionally and, you know, cause damage to my mental wellness to where, you know, I can't, I may not be able to recover from that right away. It may take me some time. So you just have to really learn how to identify your stressors 
and then just to just deal with the with the stress because there's not just you know negative stress there's also eustress which is that positive stress that we get where we're just like in the zone and you know we're operating really highly and it's okay but you can't always operate that way you have to still find that downtime and you know take that you know five ten minute thirty minute time out and and bring yourself back in just really draw it back in and and think about how you're going to approach things with a little bit more rationality. Yes, definitely. And I think what it keeps coming back to, ma'am, is the self, right? Like, where are we putting our energy? And really mindset, right? Like, are we going to be upset about the rot we need to assemble today and the 10 other things that are on our to-do list? And that's where our energy is going, right? And it's fostering like this negative energy. But instead, how are we going to look within and think about how can I better equip myself to handle these things, right? Because some things are going to be outside of our control. But what I heard you say, it's like it's about how we show up within, right? How do we wake up? And really, like, I love what you said earlier about appreciating ourselves. Um, whether it's the, hey, you look good today, or I appreciate that I can work out, right? That that I'm physically able to wake up and have a really good workout and break a sweat, right? And also being grateful about the little things. Those are all such good things that I think are underrated on how it can impact our daily life and how it can really impact our relationships with other people. Because other people can show up maybe not in the greatest of moods. And I know that for me personally, right, I talk about like, oh, I absorb other people's, like if they're in a bad mood, I feel it right away. But how can we then be aware of that and say, well, I'm still gonna show up with a lot of gratitude. Um, and it, it looks like that's what, that's what you do, right, ma'am? You wake up and you have a plan and you know I'm gonna make my bed and I'm gonna make sure that, right, simple things, my clothes go in the hamper. And it's just like setting yourself up for a successful day. So it's just such great things to really apply, like not just across, right, the Jack core, but in our daily lives, in our relationships with our partners, our friends, our family. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. Yeah, and you can do it at work too, you know, go into the job and, you know, walk around. We call it, you know, little coffee chats where, you know, you see your your office superintendent or, or your mom walking around. Hey, how are you doing today? You know, how was your weekend? Um, you know, but also do that. Like you said, do that appreciation. You know, hey, thanks for working hard and putting that effort into that. And sometimes we do miss that and we feel like you know we we have to appreciate people through things like awards or, um, you know, by giving them, you know, a letter of appreciation or something. But sometimes it's a little things like Hey, thanks for, um, you know, taking that Amjams QC off my desk, you know, thanks for, you know, helping to assemble that rot, you know, and, and doing good. You can find appreciation every single day and in, in something that someone may do for you, or just, you know, simply giving someone a pat on the back and, and saying, hey, just thank you. You know, I think it, it goes a long way and it helps to keep your office dynamic in a good space because people understand that they're just not appreciated or recognized with, you know, those those awards, those trophies and stuff that that people can get once a quarter or once a year. 
if you give it every day, people will feel more like, hey, this is my safe space. This is my village. This is my family. And, um, you know, so I learned a long time ago that it doesn't just say U.S. Air Force on your uniform. It's us Air Force, right? It's us. We're our village. We're our safe space. And what I really love about the JAG Corps is that we are so small that we all know each other. We do. We all we all know each other. I mean, whether you, you met someone at um, PAC or PCC or LOMC or whatever course it is, you know, we're that small that we can make our village great. We can make it whatever we want to and take care of each other in such a really positive way just because we, we really are that small. Definitely, ma'am. These are all such great things that I hope folks that hear this, that watch this can take with them because it's important. It's really important like what we cultivate in terms of our overall wellness, right? Often we think it's just physical and it's so far beyond that and how that can help us in our work because this work can be stressful and it can build up. Um, so having these tools and these skills, I think can make such a big difference. Yeah, and I'll I'll add as well that, you know, I recently went to senior NCOA and, you know, we got to see perspective from individuals that served in, in their country's military, right? So we had individuals that represented the Canadian Air Force, people that represented the German Air Force. And I think there was one more, I can't remember if it was Lithuania <clears throat> or one of these other places. But one thing that they noted, because there were also instructors at the senior NCO Academy, one thing that they noted was like how stressful individuals from the U.S. military are on a daily basis about the littlest things. You know, like we're just stressed um, and to a certain point, even distressed about EPRs or about award packages or these admin things that if we really think about it, should we really be that stressed about those things? And I know we have deadlines and things like that, which heighten the stress, but these are not things to them right so it's interesting to see their perspective on that like why are you why are you guys always stressed out about the littlest things right it's not like you're in ukraine right now or you know under fire or getting bombed at or anything like that like this is just routine things that maybe you can push the deadline a little, a little bit and if you push it no one's gonna die but it's not you know, these are things that I hate to say that they're not a big deal because we definitely want to get people recognized and set them up for success when it comes to EPRs. But are these really things that we should be stressed about? You know, it's it's funny that you do say that and that, yes, we are, we do. We stress out about EPRs and awards and, and getting promoted and stuff. But it always goes back to asking that person that is, you know, thinking about all these things like, you know, what do I do to get promoted? What do I do to, you know, get an award or whatever? Why did you join the Air Force? You know, why did you raise your right hand and swear to support and defend the United States Constitution? And then go even further. Where would you be right now? if you had not joined the Air Force, what would life look like for you? And sometimes it's a reality check that, you know, if, if I hadn't joined the Air Force, 
maybe I would have become a, a Virginia Beach police officer. Maybe I would have served, you know, 20 years on the force and and retired as, you know, a police officer and stuff. But would I still be in Virginia Beach for 20 years? I would have never gotten to venture off to North Dakota, to South Korea, to Okinawa, Japan, you know, gone to Afghanistan or, or Kuwait or now here in Germany. I would never have those opportunities to travel around the world and, you know, take my daughter to places like Bali and Indonesia or, or Phuket and Thailand or, you know, Hawaii. And just I think about all the, the positives that have been given and that, you know, you really have to think about why did you decide one day to go to the recruiter's office and sign your name and raise your right hand? And if you hadn't done that, where would you be? I compare myself sometimes to my friends from high school who went off to college, who had full scholarships. And I'll share with you, I'm the girl who had a 1.8 GPA when I graduated high school. 1.8, that's like a D average, right? There was no colleges calling for me. There was no scholarships offered. You know, it wasn't a thing for me to think about it. I knew community college was probably my best bet. 1.8 GPA. And by signing up, I have a master's degree. I've got certifications. Most of it's been paid for by the Air Force and the opportunity to travel. And those are the things that I think about. I don't worry about getting promoted. I don't worry about, you know, winning awards. I've got like a couple awards, but that's it. I was an airman of the quarter, BTZ, you know, I didn't, I didn't make tech sergeant my first time, you know, senior, I mean, make chief my first time. So I don't think about those things. I think about all the goodness that I have been afforded because I chose to serve. And that's the, the reminder that, you know, I want people to really think about. I want you to remember why you chose to be here and where the Air Force has taken you versus worrying about getting promoted, worrying about having to, you know, outdo somebody in your, your office or outwork somebody. Those things are going to come. And I hate to have that cliche that those things will come. But yes, those things will come. When it's time to promote you, you will get promoted. When it's time for you to get that dream job, you'll get it. But you need to think about the things that you're going to take from the Air Force and how you're going to apply that when you're Mr. or Mrs. Because if you only focus on the 20 years of service or the six years or however long you choose to stay in, you're going to end up leaving probably a little unfulfilled. So think about you know what you're going to do while you're here with our family, our Air Force family. Think about you know where it's going to take you, maximize use of all the benefits that you get, and prepare yourself for when you're Mr. and Mrs. And life is now different, and you're you know suiting up, or you know you're going off to your you know your dream job of being an entrepreneur. For me, it'll be hopefully owning a craft stand in the VX. And maybe doing some coaching on the side, we'll see. But that's where I want people to have their mindset, thinking about the all the whys behind it. Because that should really be your drive and your focus for keeping you going every single day, not stressing over and 
I got to write these bullets for my EPR or, or write this 1206 or get promoted, you know, first time every time. So you need five tries to make tech sergeant. So, you know, I answered. That was the hardest rank to make. I'm telling you, five times. And then I finally made it. So, and I've been there. I've been there. I missed it by 0.5 two years in a row. So I've been there. And, and I know it's, I know how it feels. But it'll come. All of those things will come. Thank you, ma'am. That I feel is very valuable insight that you're providing, whether it's a more so brand new airman like myself or someone who's been in right 10, 15 years. It'll come. I think that is really powerful to hear. And just really like, let's not stress about so many different things, right? Let's just in the daily. What's what's going to be great about today, right? Because a lot of times we live so much in the future. When I get this, when I do this, what about today, right? Being grateful just about what today will bring. So thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you for taking the time to really share with us your experiences and your life coach work. Um, we want to encourage whoever is listening to check out your webinars really and see there's I saw the the list and there's various different topics from mindfulness to resiliency um, that Chief McCracken offers. So really, if this is something that you're interested in, please take a look at it. Reach out to her. Um, on Teams, right, ma'am? Is that the best place to get involved? Yeah, so if uh, people are interested in joining the uh, Take the Shot coaching team, um, I'll be doing some more classes. They just have to reach out to me. You can either email me or you can message me on Teams and I will add you in there. Um, still building it. It's a work in progress. So, But I'm trying to get some more um, wellness tools out there for you all to you know enjoy it's all free so free 99 is what i say but you know it's there for for you to take and um and if you want to do the class or if people would like me to host a class for their office or you know get a group together i'm more more than willing to do that even being out here in uh in safety um, i will make time to to be there for you know whoever needs it and, and we'll just make it work so and we have a pending project um i think chief uh would because you have a reading list as well and you have other other projects as well as far as professional development um and that's something that'll be i, I think it'll be coming more in the future but not sure if you wanted to share a little bit about about that side Right. So, um, so I have a personal reading list. Um, it evolves every year because I, I love to read different books, and um, and it's not just about leadership. A lot of uh, leaders will talk about, hey, I have a leadership philosophy. I have more of a, a lifetime philosophy that involves, you know, that growth mindset. Um, and I, I think I said it best when I was 17 years old. I said, in every experience, you should find growth. And that's kind of like my motto and how I strive to, to live my life. So, um, so you won't hear a leadership philosophy from me, but you'll hear about things that have helped me through various stages of my life 
that, you know, I hope will will help someone else and will, you know, they'll, they'll be able to benefit from it. So I just keep expanding my list of, you know, wellness books or, you know, even leadership books that I've read, um, TED Talks that, that I've watched, and I try to just put it out there. Um, I'll keep updating it on the site as I go. I'm, I'm working on another, another list right now that kind of ties in with all of the, uh, the coaching classes that I do. So it's just, it's just, you know, sharing things that I see. And I love when, when people share with me too. So some of the stuff I get because people will share it and say, Hey, well, did you read this book or did you watch this, you know, Ted talk or this podcast or something? And, um, and so they pour into me just as much as I pour back out. And, you know, I, I really enjoy that environment of, of collaborating. So, so yes, please join the team. And I am going to leave you guys with them um, with one of the books that um, I've been reading that I think really helps us within the Jack Corps because we are naturally um, superior high performers. And I also think we are the bomb.com and what we do because um, we are the best legal professionals in the world. But um, this one's called, you can see it, Your Oxygen Mask First. And it really talks about um, not just trying to find like a, a work-life balance cliche, but really how you can find time to enjoy everything. You can enjoy your work, you can enjoy your, your hobbies, and you can also enjoy the people that you love and, and your family and stuff. And, and, and it's really helped me. I, I go back to it a lot. It's by um, Kevin Lawrence. And it kind of reminds me to make sure I'm doing that soul care and, you know, not just pouring myself into, you know, one thing, but making sure that I try to, you know, spread it, spread it around as much as possible so that I don't, I'm not drained every day. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, ma'am. This is, this was awesome. Very insightful topic that I do believe that most of us, you know, not just paralegals and or military members, but just human beings. These are something that will help us beyond our service. Um, so I definitely hope that people, you know, start to get involved and, and, and start to embrace, um, you know, everything that has to do with soul care, um, mindfulness and, and just being anything that contributes to being overall happy every single day. And I also want to thank Erman Tejera. She's been doing an amazing job with these podcasts. Um, you know, the insight that she's providing and how she reflects. Um, it's really awesome and, and another value added to, to the project that we have here. So I definitely want to thank her contributions as well. Well, I want to thank you both, you know. Um... And you just asking me all the tough questions, but, um, you know, I can't wait to see the amazing things that you're going to do and, um, you know, just keep joining on a lot of these awesome teams out there and, uh, you're supposed to put senior airmen on soon. So, you know, congratulations. Yep. Congratulations there. And, um, you know, senior Perez, I, I you know, I, I like to think I raised you a little bit, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. You know, so I'm I'm always very uh, you know, I I definitely am very proud of, you know, who you've become and um, you know, again, congratulations on your promotion as well to senior master sergeant and your assignment to Kadena. 
you know, going back, going back home, and it's going to be awesome. So thank you both for having me on. Um, well, it's, it's nighttime here now, but you know, thank you for having me on the podcast, and uh, I look forward to watching it as well. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs>